Welcome to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Hodgins. This is episode three of four in a podcast series called Using Variety and Gumption as Creative Fuel, featuring creator Kristen Baum, role model as an impeccable creative woman. Today's episode features my dialogue with guest Kristen Baum, an L.A.-based composer, writer, and poet. If you missed parts one or two, you can find the links below. If you want to explore creativity, hear about other creators, or get more inspiring stories to empower you, please join me at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. That's yourcreativechord, C-H-O-R-D dot com forward slash get inspired here. Let's jump back into my interview with L.A.-based creator Kristen Baum. What technology or music gear or skill sets do you feel are essential to your music making? Like, What do you use when you're, when you're about to do a project? I approach things uh, from a creative problem-solving standpoint. And I find it really, really juicy to know kind of uh, about individual people's creative process. So if I were to pull back the curtain on my own creative process, uh, when I get a project... I like to have an initial conversation with the director about kind of the concept. What do they see as being the concept that they would like to um, maybe engage for a score? And then I will add, you know, kind of possibilities of what I see as interesting things to explore as far, as far as concept wise. So I like to start kind of with a big cauldron and throwing in references that make sense to me or to the director for whatever reason at all whatsoever. When you say references, are you, are you talking musical references? I'm talking about film references and film score references. So for a recent project that I did, uh, some of the film references were Lars and the Real Girl and Dear Lemon Lima and Amelie got thrown in the mix. Little Miss Sunshine got thrown in the mix. And a couple of uh, cues from the Umbrella Academy got thrown in the mix. All because the story that was being told had certain elements in common with those kind of diverse, disparate projects. Is this a, a kind of approach that you learned from uh, some from Christopher Young, or is it something that's unique to how you approach it? It's probably unique to how I approach it. Okay. Yeah. Christopher Young does have um, kind of concept um, discussions with directors, um, but my approach, I think, is just, you know, I am... I am what I am, right? <laughs> as Yogi Berra used to say. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll throw things into the mix as far as what I think is on point, either sound-wise for the score or story-wise as far as genre goes. And I, a lot of times, will start then um, kind of systematically studying what has gone before. I like to know what has gone before. My understanding is that you're your approach is to through the dialogue with the director to get a better understanding of what the director's vision is for concept meeting. It's a kind of a pulled focus back, not scene by scene, but for kind of more 
um, the forest the trees. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's more kind of genre driven. Okay. Than scene driven. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. So basically because I spend so much time in storytelling, uh, in my various different creative endeavors as a writer and as a poet, um, and as a film composer, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. storytellers too. We're just serving in, um, a kind of a nonverbal way a lot of mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. In coming to an understanding of what will work in the score, in my estimation, I'm doing kind of compare and contrasts. Each one of those um, references will be, for me, a compare and contrast. How is this the same? How is it different? Oh, so not necessarily this fits with your story or this fits with your overall genre. It's more, does this is a this works, this doesn't work uh, mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. How do you think, so basically, the, how do the directors respond to that kind of approach? What do you think? Do they um, like I, that? That's my personal work that I do at the beginning of a project. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I'm not necessarily doing that with directors. Um, I will have an initial conversation that says, you know, like, Hey, what are you feeling? You know, like, what do you think? You know, Lars and the real girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. How, what do you think of this one? And so I'll, I'll just throw out a couple of things so that I can gauge, um, the response, you know, the yeah. yeses and the nos from them. Okay. And then when I, um, when I basically dive deep, what I'm doing is this compare and contrast and putting things into a yes pile and a no pile, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, how is this the same? How is it different? And uh, in doing that, that's my work. As a preparation, as a, yeah. yeah, as a creative problem solver. And once I have done my work thoroughly enough, I have enough questions answered that that I have parameters and that allows me to move forward into the actual writing. Because um, as we know, a lot of times creative work is about setting the parameters. This is the box in which I will work. Mm-hmm. Having thought fully enough about a project, um, some of the answers then naturally suggest what what will happen and what will come next. And then that's when I start with the composing portion. And that's what I was going to say. That brings us back to once you've done this kind of creative problem solving approach, then what, what gear, what technology or skills do you think are essential at this point? Do you notate it? Do you use your, um, doll, your logic pro to just, um, improvise lines or do you, do you write out line by line for things? Or are you looking scene by scene? Are you looking for the overall, how are you approaching it with your, and what tools are you using? And it may vary per project, I guess, but it totally does. It totally does. Um, a lot of times when I'm doing my thinking work, which I've just described, I will write down any melody. I will capture any melody that comes. Okay. I will capture any rhythmic element that comes. If I think it's going to be rhythmically driven. Notated, not in your DAW. Right. Okay. And so I use Sibelius. And okay. so Sibelius. Sibelius will um, quickly capture what I want. Sometimes a, a pencil and paper even captures what I want. Um, mm-hmm. And I will work at a real piano uh, away from that 
in some instances, and I will go around and wander around the block in some instances, singing to myself like a, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Mulling it over, yeah. Yes, mulling it over, kind of making people nervous that I'm like <laughs> being audible in a strange way outside. I've just I just interviewed a, a young a young composer. Well, like young compared to me, I guess. And she just described she wrote her entire musical singing on her bicycle on the way home from work. So you you fit right in. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Not, not so abnormal. I don't know why people look at me funny then. I don't either. <laughs> They're just not composers, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'll do that. And then um, a lot of times I will start uh, away from the actual picture in creating, especially if it's going to be melodic. I don't mm. want to be too picture driven too early. Okay. And too tied to it too soon. Um, and, you know, one caveat is if I were doing action films, I probably would, I probably would write to picture. Um, but I, a lot of times I'm doing um, things that are dramas or things that are, um, I'll say a horror film that doesn't require me to begin my initial score exploration to picture. Um, I like to foster the musicality before I foster the kind of storytelling aspect. Um, though, but, but because it's for the film mm -hmm. uh, and you're saying you, you like to, I love this, that you, you like to work away from the film to kind of mull over and kind of basically just, yes. uh, inspire yourself with your, um, melodic or rhythmic or whatever thematic material you want to do. Yep. Musically, you're focusing you're focusing on the musical musicality of it before the storytelling, but does it in some way, because of the preparation you'd already done uh -huh. that we described earlier, are yes. you are you creating music on a musicality that kind of is in sync with that? Is yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that clarific clarification question. It's so good. Um, I so try. I try. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> Don't um, give up. Don't give up, Jenny. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so this is great. So you're away from the film and you're creating things melodically. I'm in aloud when, regardless mm -hmm. of the strange looks you're getting from people as you're wandering yes. around your block. You work at your piano, and versus working to the picture, you yes. kind of getting a, basically a general idea of a concept for the whole film mm -hmm. in your in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then what? Then what? And then what? <laughs> then I will go in and I will fire up my computer and open Logic and begin um, inputting that into um, a Logic session. And I will import the movie at that point. Uh, and, you know, it, mm -hmm. it brings it in. It brings in the audio. And sometimes I'll mute the audio. Sometimes I will turn off the monitor that has the picture and I will still work mm -hmm. um, with the concept until I have the music to where I want it to be. And then I look and see what I've got to the picture. So this, again, will not work very well with action scenes, I don't think, or scenes that require a lot of shifts. So it would be, you know... Uh, uh, is that because, I'm sorry, it, you're saying it won't work necessarily as well with action because of hit points? Because of hit points, okay. yeah. Okay. Hits and scene points. If that's a critical part of the project, then I am tied to the picture. But a lot of times I'm not working on um, kind of pictures that 
um, necessitate that as a um, jumping off point. If I were working with a picture that required that as a jumping off point, then I would definitely do that. But um, because I want my music to be really musical first, um, I try to be less tied to the picture initially. And, you know, I mean, you look at a lot of the top composers, the ones that are creating, I just created this suite and then somebody will come along and cut the suite in and see mm -hmm. where the music works and where mm -hmm. it seems to lie. Right. It's kind of that same uh, sort of idea. I mm -hmm. just don't have someone else coming and cutting it in. So that's, that's so, I, I'm, I find this very interesting because again, I, I mentioned I'm reading Herbie Hancock's memoir possibilities. And he was talking about as he got started, you know, grow as a musician and, you know, he grew up with, playing in Miles Davis's band with all these amazing jazz musicians. And it was a film director that approached him after his career got off the ground, after Hancock's career got off the ground, and he approached him to do a score for a film. And he'd never done a film score. He's a jazz musician playing in different bands, creating his own bands. And then later he got very innovative. Um, well, he was already innovative, but he, he'd started doing more electronic stuff. And when, when he described his process... Mm -hmm. For working with this director, it was basically what you just what you just said. He 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 watched the film with the guy. He asked people what they thought was happening in it. Then he went to the director and said, "This is what other people say is happening. What what do you think?" And the director said, "Yes, all of that." <laughs> and you know, because he wanted a, he wanted basically the audience to um, define the 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 meat or the story or the meaning of it rather than having it dictated to them by the director. So it's a very different uh, conversation. But what Herbie Hancock did was just go and create his own basic palette and, and sound without looking at the movie mm -hmm. and did it that way. And, and mm -hmm. then get, I find it so interesting that things are done so differently now because I hear so many composer film scoring composers, um, that I know through online groups, basically they're professional or they're aspiring or they're semi-professional. And so much of them talk about hit points. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing the spotting session and besides the overall concept of the film and the story or the mood or the characters or whatever the director's vision is, so many composers talk more specifically about going from the beginning to the middle to the end of each particular scene. And your approach is, much broader than that it sounds uh -huh. like right um yes i i do tend to approach it kind of a, in a holistic way unless i think that the scene needs shifts and yeah, you know yeah. um that's different yeah 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 there's an experience level that you know you can look at it and say oh it's going to have to shift at this point it's going to have to shift here um and in that case i will bring uh, in whatever melody I think needs to happen or, you know, whatever rhythmic element needs to happen and then make a shift at that point. I love that, that. you know, that it is required. So I'm, I'm less tied to picture earlier. And the more I work in that way, the more, um, I feel that I'm expressing. It's kind of the essence. Yeah. The essence yes. of it. Right. Yes, exactly. Because I want to be, I want to be kind of a, another character that's just right. underneath that's helping, um, an audience's understanding of right. what's happening. Mm -hmm. I love that. When you get to a scene that quote unquote needs a shift, mm -hmm. what types of things determine that for you? And, and what's your response musically to that? 
Oh, that's really a great question. (laughs) (laughs) See, I just hang in there. I get better with my questions as I go. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, What what would require a shift? Um, A a change of story, um, Mm. a change of story kind of focus. Um, uh, Intercutting of scenes could require shifts. Mm -hmm. It's just wonderful for people that are aspiring, you know, to understand more right, about right, film right. scoring. Right. I would say those two things, um, intercutting of action of two different scenes would be, and, you know, there you're looking for kind of what is the common thread? What's the thing that you can kind of pin the whole uh, score on that will help organize um, an audience's thoughts? You mean from one scene to the next, keeping a common thread there? Right. If, uh, if scenes are intercut, if you have, you know, one thing happening in one scene and a completely different thing happening in another scene, and they have been chopped up and interwoven, like that kind of inter intercutting of two scenes together that are kind of um, different in nature, then, you know, my, my need would be to find what's the common thread that will be able to run through this whole thing that kind of, um, brings it together with a nice bow on it. Um, and what are the different uh, aspects of the two scenes that might need to be woven in? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then can you describe that common thread musically? Like what kinds of things musically would be a common thread that you would what use? What would create a common thread? I mean, basically what you're trying to do is find kind of like you know the through line that you can hang everything on so it would be some sort of a it could be a sustainy something you know Mm -hmm. that can go quietly through um and it could be uh it could be a synth instrument that is completely um different sounding from any sort of instrument that's created that is uh you know a hitter or a blower or a plucker or you know (laughs) an electronic sound that's different from your typical instrument musical instrument exactly yeah or or it could be you know just a sustained violin kind of a sound or a sustaining something um sustained things are are a big part of piecing together disparate scenes or actions they can be really yes instrumental in doing that it's like keeping keeping one note in a chord the same when you do part writing and shift to a new chord <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of yes. interesting i'm sorry to dive so deep into that but it i loved hearing that it was very uh, enlightening into your as far as your process goes and it's educational Sometimes it is kind of stymieing what's going to really work there. It's very unique and and it can be individual to each picture, Mm -hmm. you know. That's when you're you're wandering in the enchanted forest and humming out loud, (laughs) come in again, (laughs) where you go. Exactly, which I always love doing, so. (laughs) Not a problem for you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's a wonderful dive into a process of of film scoring that that was really nice to hear. You're listening to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you love this content, please join my mail list at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. 
That's your creative cord, C H O R D, yourcreativecord.com forward slash get inspired here. No spaces in between anything. And if you join my mail list, you will be the first to know of new content. Plus, you'll get my free checklist of top 10 things to help you reach your goals. Whether you're a creator or looking to explore your creative side, this checklist will help you prioritize and focus for results. That's yourcreativecord.com forward slash get inspired here. Back to the interview with Kristen Baum. What advice would you give someone who wants to make a living as a as a film composer? That can be so big and that and yet it can be distilled to be yourself. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Be so truly you that people know when they want you to be the person doing the thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I kind of want to make a poster out of that now. (laughs) But yeah, the point is a lot of people are trying to emulate and a lot of people are trying to follow the advice of other people. And the bottom line is you got to listen to your voice. Yes. Yeah. Listen to your own inner voice that, yes, that thing that says, you know, I really love, you know, the oboe or whatever it may be. It it might not be the oboe. That's a really specific instrument. You can't use it very strategically. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it could be like one of the things that I love to do is found sound and I'll go out and do field recordings. Sometimes the, the sound that I will use will be a completely created by me sound that probably nobody else can come up with because I've found the elevator door that squeaks oddly when it opens in the basement parking lot of Gelson's. And I have, yes, I've pushed open and close and recorded it on my phone three or four times. And I, so I've captured the essence of that and then I can put it into my computer and do a lot of sound manipulation and change, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of even right down to the formants of the sound, what's going on there. And then incorporating that sort of thing into a score or in another score, there was a kind of time element and uh, kind of an alarm sort of element. And those two things in my brain coalesced into saying, oh, remember that awful alarm clock you used to have that's still under the bed that um, is still plugged in, but you never use because it was so shocking and disturbing when it would go off. So I, um, I pulled it out from under the bed and recorded that alarm sound. <laughs> you remember? That'll wake you up. and then I shifted it as far as how fast it went and I shifted like pitch and time basically of it until it was this kind of surreal alarm sound that you wouldn't really know was an alarm clock Mm -hmm. at any given point basically yeah Yeah. and and that's very unique in today's age of digital you know virtual instruments because everyone become so accustomed to hearing those companies, you know, sounds that nothing is unique anymore. So this is, this is a way to be you and, and express yourself very distinctly. It sounds like. Yes. And in a project driven kind of a way, I would not have come up with that idea had it not been for that specific project that had this kind of alarm quality and this kind of, you know, importance of time kind of quality. Mm -hmm. 
to it. So those two things together to me in my kind of wandering and muttering, I was like, what do I do? What do I, how do I incorporate what, you know, and then into my head popped this idea of my old alarm clock. And I was like, ah, ah, there we go. That's pretty cool. And so that created one layer of the, the, the material that I was layering in for that kind of score. For the essence of the, of the score that's supporting that story. That whole exactly. idea. That's wonderful. That's a great description of a, another angle at looking at a film scoring creative process. Yeah. And a lot of times the story should drive what's going on. I did one for people who were considering whether they wanted to have a baby. And so I thought, oh, how about baby noisemakers? Because there's a billion of them, rattles and popcorn <laughs> poppers and all of those things. And the director loved the idea so much. She immediately went and bought a bunch of noisemakers. And then I went on a quest and bought a bunch more noisemakers, sampled all of them, and used them as the jumping off point for the inspiration of the score. Oh, that! I bet the director was thrilled with that. It's so in sync with what they were trying to do. Exactly. Yes. Very yeah. interesting. So if you can make it really specific to the project, it just really helps. And that can be, you know, a signature of really who you are and how you problem solve as a composer. And and you're always putting that director's vision on a pedestal as kind of the, the, the yes. guideline for everything. The director, yes, the director's vision is guiding the ship always. That's mm-hmm. lovely. Thank you. What do you think are the best and worst aspects of being a professional composer? For you personally? For me personally, I have a really hard time stepping away once I have gotten in. (laughs) And so... um, I don't think that's uncommon for any creative person. I don't either. Yes. So really being able to balance and really, you know, Mm. practice self-care while I am in a project is really important. And hard, Um, hard for you to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I start really um, getting caught up in everything. And it is a really fun thing. And it's so immersive. And it's so all encompassing. Once you're in that mode, it's I totally understand. It's hard to disengage from it. But that to me is, it could be the best and it could be the worst aspects of being a exactly. (laughs) We've efficiently addressed that question. (laughs) (laughs) We Can you describe a typical day as a composer? That's a really hard question to answer because um, days can be really varied. Atypical, yeah. Yes, yeah, they're atypical. And that really feeds the way I um, create because I like to have a lot of variety. Well, how about give us maybe two, two examples of a typical day, you know? a typical day in which I know I am going to work on a specific cue. I've already decided this is the cue I'm going to work on. Um, (laughs) I will, uh, you know, address the things of the day, um, you know, the daily duties sort of stuff. And then I will drop in and start working on the cue after a sufficient amount of, well, we can call it thinking. Mm. It could appear to be procrastination. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's not because there's so much going on behind the curtain of the kind of creative working out in your mind. Right. right. Then I will, I will kind of open, open my logic session and uh, I may watch the scene and I may watch the scene over and over and over and over again um, until I am 
until the spark presents itself. If I have already done my thematic work uh, of knowing what what the themes are of the story, then I likely will know uh, which thematic material I want to use for any given scene. Okay. And, and of course, some of the scenes will fall outside of that as a natural part of the storytelling. Mm, that's interesting. Those, yeah. those may be the ones that are um, kind of harder to get into mm-hmm. uh, as far as like finding your way in for beginning. Um, but when I, when I am working with some scene that I know is going to have a specific thematic material, then I can really drop and go a lot more easily and know, you know, I want it to be kind of this tempo and I know I want to feature the melody at this place and this place and this place. Um, and I will start kind of constructing, um, uh, the shell of the, the shell of what I want to create. And then uh, from there, I'll go through and orchestrate uh, on, on the computer. So just basically mocking up what I, you know, what I hear as happening. Okay. What about a, a different type of project? I mean, a, a different type of approach for a different project. I will listen to the references that are given for any given scene um, by the director specifically. If the director has provided references, then I will get in and I will start really actively listening to those. What are the elements that stand out to me? What is um, energizing this music? What's making me tap my toe if I'm tapping my toe to this music? What are the elements that I think uh, might uh, be things that I need to have present in my score. So it is a lot of problem solving at first. And once the problem solving has answers to it, then it is a matter of going in and starting to experiment and see, does that work? Will the picture support it or will the picture kick it completely out? And I've got to start over again. Hmm. So sometimes, sometimes you get a Teflon scene, a Teflon scene. Yes, and everything just falls right off of it. Oh. (laughs) Nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help me by leaving a review on iTunes or share this link with your social media. You can also forward the link to this podcast by email to your friends. Thanks for helping spread the word so your Creative Chord podcast can continue bringing you inspiring interviews and stories. And if you loved this content, please join my mail list at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. You'll be the first to know of new content, plus you'll get my free checklist of top 10 things to help you reach your creative goals. If you want to explore creativity, hear about other creators, or get inspiring stories to empower you, please join me at yourcreativechord.com forward slash get inspired here. Thanks for listening.